0: What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat
1: basketball. Hey, hoop heads. we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off.
0: What's up everyone? I'm your host JJ Rivera and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Today, I brought you all a very special guest, Corbin Ford. Corbin is a Laker fan, and we both attended this year's edition of Sports Business Classroom. He also hosts his own podcast, the NBA Today podcast. So without further ado, please welcome Corbin Ford. Corbin, how has life been treating you lately, buddy?
2: You know what, man? First of all, it's good to be on with you just talking again after SBC's uh, great. So automatically I'm feeling good, but also my Lakers, I mean, we're on the precipice of our 17th championship, so I don't think you can feel down um with the with the win like we had last night <laughs> yeah
0: <I> suppose <laughs> life's life's treating you very good right now as a basketball fan as a laker yes, fan sir.
2: yes sir it
0: is it really is <laughs> oh i'm i'm really happy for you guys I'm, I'm i'm a heat fan i also write for the lakers i'm in an interesting <laughs> spot in these finals
2: right
0: but hey I'm i'm actually really happy for you guys like i'm Uh, You guys have waited 10 years for this, and I feel like this championship will have more significance this year due to all the things that have happened this year. So, yeah, I can't say I'm I'm mad. Well, I'm disappointed that my team is about to lose, but I can't say I'm angry about it.
2: I mean, yeah, I feel like it's weird because I have so much respect for this Heat team that while I'm excited that the Lakers are going to win, I'm slightly saddened that injuries, you know, took Gore and out entirely and really limited it, Bam out of effectiveness, I, I think that the Heat have set themselves up for years to come. You know, the Lakers need this championship in the fact that LeBron, as good as he is, is 35, and, you know, they, 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 they found a the gel that works. But the West is only going to get tougher. Meanwhile, the Heat are a very solid team, and with the cap space that they are finagling to have by 2021 – they have the potential to become even stronger and that's a scary thing being how good this team is already.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh I don't know if if our audience saw or Ringer report today that executives around the league believe that the Heat are the premier destination for star players with a wandering eye. So, we got to keep an eye on that. I think I think that 2021 I said to a friend earlier that I think I feel pretty good about our chances getting a a big free agent.
2: Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, whether that is you know the, the elephant in the room, or let's say the MVP in the room in Giannis or someone else, <laughs> you would have the culture. They have the results. They have the players that would fit perfectly as similar pieces around whatever star they have. And Jimmy Butler already, you have that guy. And Bam Adebayo, you have that guy. So the building pieces are already there. The cap space is there. The culture is there. Yeah. Like on the one hand, you know, like I said, I feel bad for Miami in terms of where they are right now and why. You know, they weren't able to put their best foot forward. But at the same time, they will be here. The future is bright for them. They will be in the finals for years to come. That is that is what I'm saying.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Anyway, let's get into it. Well, yesterday the heat fell to the Lakers 102-96. to The win puts LA up 3-1 to in the series and in the driver's seat for in their quest for a 17th championship. I know that Celtics fans are shaking right now and they're quickly... Quickly resorting to saying, "Oh well, you guys won five of those in Minneapolis, so well, well, dude, you guys won like a whole bunch of your championships when the league was very small." So, I, I would just say, like, keep keep that argument to yourselves.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be right; I'd agree with you completely on that one.
0: <laughs> so, anyway, the first two games were a bore fest. We're not going to get a lot into them. The mm-hmm. injuries of Drogic and Bam, as were mentioned, they didn't help matters. Game three was a different story, though. That's when I feel like the series really picked up. Jimmy Butler went off and had a historic game, 40, 11, and 13. I believe that the basketball reference stat called game score, they listed him as the, I think it was the second most, the second highest game score that anyone's ever had in the NBA Finals. Wow. Uh, Right behind LeBron's legendary game six of the 2016 NBA Finals. So, yeah, I think, I, I think Jimmy Butler played really well in game three. Corbin, what were your thoughts as a Laker fan when you saw Jimmy go off on such a matter?
2: Honestly, it was, it was devastating it, it on both sides. One, as a general basketball fan, you have to love what you're seeing. You know what I mean? Seeing someone take over a game completely and in every facet of the game, rebounding the ball, initiating the offense, getting players in their spots, and taking over absolutely down the stretch on the offensive end, you, you can't help but marvel at that. And so from a general NBA perspective, I, I enjoyed what I saw. At the same time, oh, my goodness, was it tough to see as a Laker fan. Jimmy Butler get to his spots again and again and again. And everything he touched basically go into the basket. I mean, the dude shot 70% from the field, went to the line a bunch of times, 12-14 from there, 14-20 overall. Didn't take the three and didn't have to with how he was able to get to where he needed to go. And you looked at him, and at no point in time did I feel that the Lakers had a plan to shut Butler down. I felt, okay, if they have the ball down the stretch and it's going to Butler, he's going to get to the mid-post action, he's going to bully KCP, he's going to be too quick for um, Markeith Morris, he's going to get to his spots. And and he didn't. It it was equal parts, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm trying to think about this since I saw this question. I think the best way I can put it into words is, like, a terrified respect. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think that you couldn't you couldn't have said it better. I one thing that was that stood out to me in this game was how strong he is. He he bullied those the Lakers guards like KCP and, and Danny Green he just backed them down and he he finished strong at the rim. Like, like I think his strength really stood out
2: in this yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, Butler's a rock too. Like we know he's a tough dude, right? And I mean, it was it was put on. It was plain to see in terms of not only you know getting past the guards, not only just blow you know busting up on Alex Caruso and making mince me out of um, KCP and others, but even guys like uh, Marquise Morris or a um, a Kyle Kuzma laying just the 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 muscle on them and really pushing them out the way just enough to get to his spots, his floaters in the paint, his touch on his shots, his fadeaways in the mid range. I mean, the dude had it all going, and 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 it showed. It was, it was, uh, it was obviously one of the, the. It was clearly the best game in my opinion of Butler's career. One of the best games oh. in NBA Finals history.
0: Oh, for sure. And, I think mm-hmm. I think it's it will stand out when we go further down the line throughout the years. I think it will stand out and people realize how just how great this this guy played in this game.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and honestly, that's what's. Whoo! that's what's crazy. That's what's <laughs> crazy. Like, even looking back on it now and remembering in real time, okay, Lakers, you just string together a couple stops. Oak Butler again. Oh, turnover. Oh, Butler again. Okay, Lakers, if you really just kind of focus and get him out of the way, and that's something I thought that Lakers adjusted to a little bit better. Obviously, we we'll talk about this later in terms of what they did in Game 4 in response to that, but you saw the Heat adjust quickly to LeBron, sending um, doubles, Anthony Davis sending doubles in the paint, forcing him out of spots, making him comfortable, and – not that it would have mattered in this game, because Butler was just on a special level, but the Lakers didn't really seem to allow that. They felt they it seemed like they were content to do single coverage. And Butler was cooking everyone. Like, it just didn't seem like the smartest idea to me in real time.
0: Yeah. Well, Butler became the third player in NBA history to have a 40-point triple double in the NBA Finals. The other two are Jerry West and his opponent on the other side, LeBron James. Uh Simon Smith from from He's a contributor for FanCited. He posted a very interesting stat from Game 3. He said that Jimmy Butler defended LeBron for 32 possessions in that game. And in those possessions, LeBron had 9 points and 7 turnovers. I think Jimmy's two-way impact in that game, I cannot overstate how huge that was in that game. You touched a bit on the on what the Lakers did wrong when defending against Jimmy Butler in that game. Can you expand on on, on that?
2: Oh, of course. They didn't make the necessary effort to make him uncomfortable. Um, You know, getting to the post, you knew they were using some switches to kind of get him free. But for the most part, you knew exactly where they were going to get him the ball in his spots. And the Lakers didn't adjust fast enough. I didn't see, you know, LeBron on him. He was on him in key stretches, but obviously not key enough in terms of forcing him on the outside going under screens and and trying to be there to meet him as a body in the lane when he attacked you know and and everything lakers did right on jimmy and he was still you know getting his way in the first quarter of game four is what they should have done in game three which is not respect his three-point shot it's not something that he's he's flashed a couple of games here and there but this that isn't his thing right now it just says he's not a great outside shooter force him into more of that they almost played right into his hands like okay you want to come back us down? We'll let that happen. We'll keep KCP on you. We'll keep Alex Caruso on you. We'll keep Rondo on you. Even after it become apparent that that wasn't the plan to go. And I think they, they didn't do a good job of making him comfortable, bottom line. And and knowing the way he plays, he's a strong dude. He gets to his spots. He's a very good finisher. But I don't think he's that good of a finisher that he can finish consistently in space over AD, over the bigs. And the Lakers didn't press on that to see whether or not that was the case.
0: Yeah. And I think Butler's main strength this season in particular has been his ability to draw fouls, but his shooting, he's, I think our uh, Kirk Goldsberry posted a stat a couple months ago that said that it was Jimmy Butler, not Russell Westbrook. is the worst shooter in the NBA. He had the worst effective field goal percentage out of all qualified players. And I think that that speaks to, again, I think that detracts from Jimmy Butler and I think it also helps. His case as a as a great player because he can make an impact without having a reliable jump shot, which in today's NBA seems some seems impossible because it, they, we have been drilled into our heads, and frankly, we have seen that if you don't have a reliable jump shot, you're not very you're not very reliable on pardon the <laughs> repeat of the of the word oh, yeah. on offense.
2: Yep, and, and that's true, and that's something that you said it it just it just didn't happen and 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 you're right by by not having that and a real quick point on that i already knew that just because i um i'm a Russell Westbrook defender you know on twitter the the it's corbin nba but the name is the russell westbrook apologist so i knew that <laughs> cuz people were like russell westbrook's the worst shoot i'm like well actually you know it's butler and that's true like he's playing so well I mean, he can make those shots, just like Russ going to make those shots. He just doesn't make a lot of them. He doesn't make them very efficiently. If you're going to make it a weak spot, you're going to do that. I, I think uh, the Heat have players like Jimmy Butler and guys I would say like uh, Andre Iguodala. Like, yes, they are capable, but they're not great shooters, and you can let that happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So well, I, uh,
0: yeah. Well, the Heat as a whole in Game 3, they played outstanding. They shot 51% from the field, and they scored 52 points in the paint. However, I think that AD's early foul trouble, it could have been a factor in that staggering amount of point points that they scored. AD got three quick fouls, and it certainly changed the complexion of the game. The Lakers were forced to play Dwight Howard more than they would like, and it showed because Dwight can't hang with perimeter players, and when they force a switch, he they just drive to the basket, and he'll either foul them or sometimes he'll contest a shot, but it's he's, he can't hang on the perimeter. And... And that's going to something we're going to touch on on Game Four. Mm-hmm. I think that the early foul trouble got Davis out of rhythm. He had a pretty bad game to his standards. He attempted only one shot in the entire fourth quarter, and he finished with 15 points. And he only shot nine times throughout the entire game. I think for a player of Davis's caliber, that's that's unacceptable. You got to shoot more. You got to be more aggressive. But yeah. again, I think that the early foul trouble got him out of rhythm. What do you think about early early, 80s early foul trouble?
2: Well, I completely agree with you. It it limited his effectiveness. He couldn't throw his body around the offensive end as much as he would like, and he couldn't bring that physical intimidation factor on the defensive end as much as he would like because every time that he did, he'd get another foul. And you're right. I mean, I don't think that detracts or that is an excuse for his lack of offensive aggression because it was very noted. I mean, even taking a a mid-range jumper wasn't something he was doing a lot. And you're right. In the fourth quarter when, you know, your big guys have to step up, Taking one shot in a position like that is unacceptable unless, you know, other team members are extremely hot or you're not needed for that position. And and neither of that was the case for AD or the Lakers in that one. So I would agree. I think the the foul trouble early just took the edge off of AD. And, you know, some of that he has to work through in spite of and, and that didn't happen. And that's, you know, something continued development for him. He's in a different role now, you know, on a contender in a team like this, playing in a position like this. So I'm not going to throw this all on his head right now. But. Uh, it definitely took him out from the mental perspective, and I think his play just followed that a natural uh, progression in that way.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I, l- 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 a couple of days ago, I was listening to Raj Ravel and Logan, Logan Murdoch on the Ringler NBA show, mm-hmm. and Rasha was pissed at Scott Foster. He said that Scott Foster is one of those refs that thinks he's bigger. He's bigger than the show, <laughs> and I, I like, I thought about it and said, hey. Scott Foster. There's a reason why Scott Foster is so famous, and when a referee's famous, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Would you agree?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I, you're right. Like, there's no way that they should be the the main dude. No, <laughs> I mean, no way that I'm like, oh yeah, it's a Scott Foster night.
0: Yeah. Well, nobody's gonna, nobody's paying to watch Scott Foster ref a game. Uh, Corbin, any other mm-hmm. comments before
2: we move on to game four? Um, no, not really. I think that the Heat played a good game. Uh, it, was in, it was really all led by Jimmy Butler. I think there was other pieces that, pl- that had their moments, but Jimmy led the way and they followed that to the finish. The Lakers deserve to lose that game. I don't think the Lakers had the aggression that they needed. They kept calling back from this these deficits and then not closing the deal. And if you don't come in a championship series with the necessary mental mindset that you need, then y- you're going to lose the game, especially to a team that is as good and as um, mentally hardened as the Miami Heat are and so I, I think that's just what followed with it.
0: Yeah. Uh well let's move on to game four. Uh now I don't know if you notice by the tone of my voice. <laughs> I I don't I don't I'm not that happy with this game. <laughs> uh Miami fell, as I said at the beginning of the pot, one oh two to ninety six. They're currently down three one. I think LeBron will close out this we'll close this out on Friday. Uh we're not the Lakers are not the Clippers for here. Yeah, they don't, they won't blow a three one lead. Well, if they do, I think that would be extremely hilarious and
2: really. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! With LeBron on that side,
0: <laughs> I think LeBron would go into hiding <laughs> if
2: if that happened. Yeah. Just I would kidding. agree. I mean, listen. I would be banished. We're talking about. He said this biggest, the biggest series of his career. You know, this is a a chance to to possibly. I know we're gonna talk about this later. Goat status, move up, and maybe not. Uh, you know, uh, eclipse Jordan, but to, to that would be devastating. That would be devastating. Oh, He'd man. still be an all time great, but that would be. Oh my goodness.
0: I, I think that would actually knock him down in my personal all time list. If oh he, my gosh,
2: that drastic!
0: <laughs> I think it would, man. It, it would be. Well, not a lot of spots. I would think I would probably put him behind Kareem. I have him second all time. Mm-hmm. Just just before Kareem, right after MJ. But anyway, let's talk about Game 4. Uh The Lakers will now reportedly wear the Mamba jerseys. The Lakers Twitter account confirmed it a while ago. So, yeah, I think the spirit of Kobe, may he forever rest in power. The spirit of Kobe will be with you guys. So, I feel like you guys will close it out on Friday. I think it will be a sp- a very special night for you guys. But let me talk about this, this damn game because I, I, I was really angry with how the Heat played. I feel like this game was a missed opportunity by Miami. Sure, Jimmy played really well in the first quarter. He had 11 points, but he only scored 11 total points for the next three quarters. He finished with 22. Kendrick Nunn played 20 minutes too many, and Tyler Hero cannot defend absolutely anybody. I think I think you guys are thrilled any every time that LeBron or... Some other perimeter guy gets switched on a hero because they'll just attack him and he can't defend anybody again that that's a growing pain that comes with a with a rookie guard. Rookie guards tend to struggle in the in, on the, on the defensive end when they enter the nBA. Uh, I think Matisse Thbel is probably the exception rather mm-hmm. than the rule. Uh, he got demolished by LeBron at that first quarter dunk. It's uh, not a good look for him after mean
2: mugging no. the the, <laughs> the the Lakers in the last game with one of the worst mean mugs I've ever seen. By the way, yeah, well, he, I don't think he's got the sauce
0: for that. Oh, I would agree. He, <laughs> he's just this Wisconsin kid from the suburbs. So, hey, he he he's got a very bright future ahead of him. I I love I love how he's been playing in these playoffs. He's I think it's helped tremendously for his development uh the Lakers yeah. shot very well in that first period. they shot sixty one percent from the field, but they were very sloppy once again. They had seven turnovers for the for the quarter and as a result, Miami was within three after the quarter and thanks in part to a Jimmy Butler buzzer beater, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention the Lakers had twenty turnovers in game three that's you're not gonna win a lot of games if you have those that many turnovers.
2: No, no, you know you, you're not. I mean, you're, you're you're practically with each turnover giving the ball away. <laughs> if you really think <laughs> about it, because you're losing the opportunity to score, and you need those, especially with an offense that without Drogba or or, um, or Bam or Bam is is churning for all the points they can get. They're still a very offensively competent team, but that margin of error is razor thin. And so when you're basically giving the Lakers the ball, whether or not they scored or not, is dangerous. You're playing with fire, and you just you can't do that.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about something positive about this game. I love how he defended LeBron in the first half. Granted, he looked – I don't know what happened to him. He kind of looked out of it. But he turned it on in the second half, which we'll talk about later. But I want to highlight a particular defensive sequence at the beginning of the second quarter. Uh, LeBron was trying to post up Iguodala, and Iguodala denied him very well. Mm-hmm. After LeBron inevitably got the ball in the post because, well, he's LeBron. <laughs> he, he went to the rim. And bam, came over with the help defense and made a perfect contest at the rim, which resulted in a miss. LeBron was really bad. And, well, I'm not going to say really bad because, well, for other players, this, this is just like a normal half. But we're talking about LeBron James here, one of the greatest players of all time. Yep. He finished with eight points and five turnovers. As a result, well, the Heat were shooting. The Heat didn't play that, didn't shoot that well from deep. They shot four from 15 from deep in the first half, and yet. They were only down. T- they were only down two. What stood off to you from that first half, Corbin?
2: Honestly, I-, I felt like you said LeBron's aggressiveness wasn't really there. He played one of the worst halves I can remember in, in recent memory. You know, um, and it was it was it was weird. I think the Lakers' shooting helped out a lot in that first half, especially from three, to kind of keep them in the game. Um, you had a bunch of katami threes from different players on the team. Um, AD was around, but LeBron was someone I was focusing on a lot because you're right. He was easily kind of rattled, turning over the ball, basically continuing what he did in Game 3, where I think he had eight turnovers along with those eight assists in Game 3, was doing pretty much the same thing in the first half of Game 4, just kind of turning the ball over and not having that aggression that was needed. And it it really seemed like if the Lakers weren't making their threes, they would have been in a lot bigger trouble than they ended up being in.
0: Yeah, after that Game 2 masterpiece by LeBron, he... He's been pretty turnover prone this last two games, but I guess that happens when you handle the ball so much. But I was so impressed with him in game two and then his sort of carelessness in this last, in these last two games with the ball. I think it's hurt the Lakers and well, it, I think it cost them game three and it made game four way closer than it should have been because the heat in the second half, which I'll touch on later on, they didn't play that well. Anyway, well, as we said in the You're third right. quarter, LeBron. What? Well, yeah, we were going to say something, Corbin.
2: Oh, no, I was agreeing with you, all right? Oh, yeah. I agree.
0: Well, LeBron turned it on in the third quarter because, well, he's LeBron. The Heat tried the same strategy that worked to a degree in game three. I don't know if you noticed, but they were granting LeBron the switch to Duncan Robinson. He he constantly was looking with for Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hill when they were on the floor. And the Heat then, they just. In mid-play, they switched Butler back onto LeBron, which messed things up and, could, and messed up their timing of stuff, and it worked in Game 3. Butler showed low on the screen on, the screen in, on a possession in the third quarter. So instead of just passing the ball, LeBron took the three, which I would have very much li- have liked to see from Jimmy Butler in this game because the Lakers were trying sort of the same strategy. They were showing low when they were switching, and Jimmy didn't take him. He just took like a couple of ones, but I wanted to see him take more. I don't care if you're if you're gonna miss him, take him. You gotta keep the defense honest. And when you when you hit at least two, the defense start gonna start c- to come up, and then the driving lanes are gonna be open, and the rest of the game offensive game opens up. So LeBron made the three that he took in that possession, and on the very next possession, Bam stayed home on LeBron, so he couldn't like be open for three. LeBron just cut to the basket, and he had an easy shot, easy shot at the rim. He was much more aggressive. The Lakers were thriving. And the Heat ended the quarter on a very bad note, which is where, well, I think the third quarter was where, where most of the Heat's issues were were accentuated. They were trailing by three, and Bam committed an absolutely terrible foul on AD. Yeah, uh, Hero also shot too early to end the quarter. Well, they didn't even end the quarter. He, instead of holding it for the last shot, the shot clock was turned off. He shot it with about five seconds left, and that gave the Lakers another opportunity to go down the court. Bam fouled Davis. Davis made the two free throws, and instead of being down three entering the fourth quarter, the Heat were down five. I think there was a theme throughout the game that Miami made too many mistakes against this Laker team. Listen, the Heat, I love my team, but with Drogic out and with Bam being limited with the next terrain, the margin forever for error, which was really thin with really thin entering the series it's basically not non-existent and when you play this sloppy, you know, I'm sorry but we don't have the talent to overcome LeBron and ad and our mistakes. They allowed too many extra possessions for the Lakers and it ended up hurting them.
1: Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the 305 Culture with JJ Rivera. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, The CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team-focused NBA pods: Grizz and Grind, Knuck a You Buck, and Cavalier Central. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast. Hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel. Featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA.
0: What did you see in that third quarter that was different from the first two, Corbin?
2: I I agree completely with you. The Heat just kind of lost their edge. Like you said, that margin of error... Is super super thin. You cannot play games, you know, especially without having another offensive initiator from Dragic to put pressure on the Lakers defense from another angle, from another side off a screen and roll, you know, from 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 another um another look to really make the Lakers sweat. You didn't have that, and so when you taking making the turn over the ball like you did and dumb fouls that that happened, and and just Miami's offense going into long ruts without you know actually generating anything positive, you're gonna have issues like that. And the Lakers, man, they they. They they took advantage, um, enough that it, it was still a nip and tuck game, but it did, that I think watching that third quarter showed me that okay, the, the heat are gonna hang around in this, but the Lakers didn't close the deal. The heat got very close. But if you watch the 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 tempo of the game, the heat get close, the Lakers push up. The heat get close, the Lakers push up. The third quarter is more of that, except that you can start to see cracks in the heat start to form and they really go, Wow, wait a second. This is uh this this might be one for the Lakers.
0: Yeah, it, it was like it was like a boxing fight, like Sure, it was c- punch, counter punch, but at the end of the day, one of the guys' chin is not going to be able to take that much. And well, the Heat did have that very strong chin. It feels really weird uh-huh. saying it for a, for a team that has so much edge and they have played with such ferocity throughout the playoffs. But the Lakers are too talented, and I hate saying it, I uh, I don't want to I don't when I say this I don't want to take any credit away from the from the way LeBron, mm-hmm. eighty, and the Lakers have played throughout these playoffs, but I think it's just meant to be. That's just really simple. Sometimes, sometimes things, sometimes things just go your way. And well, they also have played really well. Uh, the fourth mm-hmm. quarter was really interesting. Duncan Robinson made an incredible three as the oh shot clock expired. <laughs> I I couldn't believe it. Well, Duncan has actually cooled down a bit. He's still a good shooter, but and the. Uh, and the reputation that he has as a as a three point shooter has it certainly helps the Heat on offense because the Lakers have to commit a defender and they always have to be really aware of where he is on the court, which really which really opens up the 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 half court offense. But in the fourth quarter, the I think both teams struggled a lot with generating good half court looks, but the Heat really struggled in particular. They could not generate any kind of good looks and they were often bailed out by some ridiculous shot making. The Tyler Heroes absolute <laughs> that was a really difficult shot, the one that he hit uh, in the fourth quarter. No I don't know if you know what the the one that I mean.
2: I do. The, that floater that went up to heaven. Yeah. Well over that's Anthony Davis' hands, yeah.
0: Yeah, those are those are really tough shots and that's not sustainable at the end of the day. Like, sure you can hit you can hit a lot of those unless you're you're ridiculously hot or you're Steph Curry. But mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hugh are not Steph Curry. And the Lakers actually committed really made a good really did a good job of defending without fouling throughout that entire quarter. The Heat shot their first free throws of the quarter with 339 to go. And granted, the Heat shot a lot of free throws compared to the Lakers, which I think should shut off those that say that the finals are rigged. Yeah. If the finals are rigged, I think they're doing a really poor job of rigging the finals. Yeah,
2: yeah I would agree. You're right. Maybe we need <laughs> to have some more of those big-name refs we talked about.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we – I don't want Scott Foster refereeing yeah. more games. <laughs> uh,
2: no, no. He's, he's too much, man. He, I remember watching Old Game when it, he was just mentioned as a name and they kept moving, and that's what I want to see now. There's no reason he should be a storyline. But anyway, back to what you were saying.
0: <laughs> yeah. And KCP – Finally, he was huge down the stretch. I oh think Lakers Twitter, Lakers Twitter owes him a huge apology after slandering him nonstop
2: for the last two years. Yeah, no, <laughs> he, you're right. He responded. You're right. I, I've been. I've uh, fortunately, I've been on uh, his corner for a while, so I'm I'm pretty good. Like I feel pretty confident. Like yeah, I wish he played better. Mostly because I'm like, okay, you're a shooter, dude. Like you know, convert more shots, but I never wanted to trade the dude. I never wanted to do anything like that. So I'm glad that um he's getting his shine. And you're right. Fifteen big full points, five huge assists, coming up clutch, uh down to to the stretch with a big three pointer and a fearless driving layup over the yeah, team of defense. I mean he played really, really well.
0: I think those back to back baskets by him, I think those were the ones that won the game for the Lakers. Yeah. Like like Imagine somebody would have told you that before the game, KCP was going to be the one that would actually, like, make the huge shots down the stretch, not LeBron or AD. Well, AD made a, like, I think that was more of an exclamation point. Like, the AD3 that was like, okay, this is over. I, I think I, <laughs> I like, mm-hmm. turned my attention away from the game after that. I was like, okay, man, this this is done. This we're,
2: is a wrap. You could tell.
0: Yeah, I I I, I don't have any anything else to see here. The Lakers, are, they were just really good tonight, and the Heat were not. But what do you have to say to those that were slandering KCP,
2: Corbin? Let them hear it. You know what? Y'all ain't real Laker fans. Now nah, I'm playing. Listen, <laughs> I, this just shows you why you need to, and I hate to use the Philadelphia 76 history here, but trust the process. KCP is a solid player. He has been a solid player. You know, they've been the highs and the lows, but you can't always equate a team's success on the court to one specific player. KCP took a lot of heat for the 18, the 19, you know, Lakers teams. But he's been pretty solid throughout, shooting 35% from three, playing decent defense, and right now he's coming through. You know, so from someone who was much maligned by Lakers, you know, um, um, fans in general for, for not bringing whatever it was that they thought he should bring, he brought it in the biggest moments of the game, putting the Lakers up on a 3-1 lead that is most likely going to propel them to the championship, and without that contribution from him, and really from KCP throughout this postseason, that'll be a lot tougher, um, if near impossible for the Lakers to have done, because they need a third guy to step up, um, Alex Crusoe had stated that the third guy for the Lakers is whoever makes open shots, well, more likely than not, or more often than not, that person has been KCP, so I, I say credit to him, Away from him to persevere through adversity and Lakers fans, maybe we should be a little more careful. We, we rode Robert Sacre for years before we realized he was like bad, bad. So let, let's, let's, <laughs> let's not keep that same energy, uh, toward KCP, give the dude a chance. And after he wins this ring, if he, if this happens, I knock on everything, we continue. If that happens, no more sign for KCP. He did his job. Just like Jair Smith won himself re- redemption forever after winning that championship with Cleveland, that is where KCP is with much less baggage.
0: Uh, I just want to say we don't tolerate Robert Sacre slander in this podcast. Oh, my so, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: it though. I accept that.
0: Uh, I remember – well, I didn't watch a lot of Laker I'm, – I'm not a Laker fan, but I remember those lineups. And I remember the Lakers Twitter talking themselves into the Jordan Clarkson and, oh, <laughs> and I Robert Sacre. Oh, yes.
2: Well, not Robert Sacre, but I talked myself into Jordan Clarkson – For real. Especially after I think he was second team all rookie in 2014, I was really, really, um, I was really, really happy with what I saw there. Um, in terms of his offense creation. Then, you know, year two, year three, okay, he's just an offensive spark plug, little else than that, but I was still excited from what I saw there. Um, I talked to myself into who else? Ryan Kelly? Oh, Ryan be- Kelly. Shout out oh to Ryan Kelly. Oh my gosh, yep. I thought he could be a really good stretch guy. I believe that the third time was the charm for Wesley Johnson after failing in Minnesota and Phoenix at the Lakers would be where he would, you know, become a serviceable swingman. Um, yeah, I talked about something a few Lakers. Nick Young was a guy I was really all on board with. Uh, and that was really it. After 2016, when we signed uh, Luol Deng and, and um, oh my gosh, I'm- oh, Timothy Mozgov, I was up oh. the plane. Like I was a Lakers fan, but I objectively knew that those moves were terrible. Sixteen million a year, Timo Faye Moskov, by the way. Oh my gosh, please don't remind <laughs> me. That was yes. Oh my gosh. I remember I was
0: the day before I got the job writing for the Lakers, I was clowning my my friend who's a Lakers fan. Shout out to Juan Carlos. And I was clowning mm-hmm. him and said, Hey, the the Lakers have a great history with centers. They have George Mikan, they had Will Chamberlain, they had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal, and Timofey Moskoff. Those are the great Lakers centers.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been we've been we've been putting out a murderers over the last couple of years, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: hey, hey, I'm actually really happy for you guys. Uh, I'm I'm certainly
2: hurt. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I know, say I'm man. hurt. I'm sorry. But, it's a tough cho- It's a tough place to be right now.
0: What would this championship mean to you as a Laker fan, with especially with all that's happened this year and all the turmoil you guys have had to endure for the last 10 years, really?
2: Well, I think it's going to be a major redemption not only for Lakers fans like myself from the last 10 years of turmoil, obviously everything that happened with Kobe, obviously all the pressure with LeBron winning a championship with the Lakers, and whether it came for his twilight years, you know, to, to do movies and, and rest, all that will be put to rest, and that will be great, just like... Very much like LeBron when he won in Cleveland. Like, he's safe now. He's good. His legacy is secure along in L.A. He brought L.A. a championship. That's set aside. you know what I mean? Yeah, and I remember. Moving forward is Just when LeBron moved there. Um, huh?
0: No, oh, 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 I was just, okay. just going to say, like, uh, no, you, you cut off a little, and I thought you were done, and I was going to say that. Oh, I yeah, remember I remember when. Just uh-huh. the, same day, the same day when LeBron signed there, everybody was saying, oh, he just went to – to make more movies he wants to expand his media empire and look where you are guy
2: where you guys are uh continue
1: mm,
2: right I, i'm with you it's crazy to think of how quickly that happens you know um and yeah i i uh i honestly aside from adding that i think as liquor fans that that pressure will be off we're gonna have a competitive team for years to come but for players like You know, LeBron and his legacy, like Anthony Davis, like Rajon Rondo, who will be the first uh, player since Clyde LeVette way back in the day to win with the Lakers and the Celtics. And even back then was Minneapolis. Um, That'll be something. Guys like Dwight Howard, guys like Markeith Morris, KCP, you know, Kyle Kuzma. Guys that have been around for a minute, with the exception of Kuzma, that have, you know, had some success in spots um, for players like Rondo and Dwight Howard. This was their first NBA finals in a decade. So it's kind of crazy to think about that. And just having uh, just being able to embrace this trying year and Lakers being back on the top against all odds and I don't mean to say that in like uh, oh you know they, they were obviously top three to win the championship but let's not do any revisionist history a lot of people looked at the Milwaukee Bucks and a lot of people looked at Los Angeles Clippers and the Lakers are going to be hanging around but having them kind of go through the mountaintop in the way that they did and put all that to rest I think will be immensely gratifying to Laker nation and and that's what I'm excited to experience
0: yeah something I want to point out. I think was a really interesting thing what happened this year. Like, r- listen, we're we're already crowning the Lakers champions, so c- congratulations. They're not gonna they're gonna go uh-huh. blow this lead. But something that really I found really interesting: the Lakers never really had that third guy, mm-hmm. and throughout the whole year, they, AD and LeBron are are, are certainly gonna help a lot. But sometimes it was. Was sometime around the year was Danny Green who could knock down some shots right now he, he can he can knock down a shot to save his life I think I think Laker Twitter should direct their attention to Danny Green mm-hmm. you guys you guys are paying 15 million a year oh so oh gosh I <laughs> mean, for I, a <laughs> for a supposed sharp shooter who's shooting like 29% from three of this play, these playoffs
2: yeah no I. you're right you're right um I gotta I gotta go and say that Danny Green has been immensely disappointing recently, but he was an over he was an overpay that we had to make. To get oh, a player yeah. of that caliber, remember we were five days in on the Kawhi watch and waiting for that. To have a guy like that who in theory had a great, you know, he was he's a great three-point shooter, even though he's regressed a little bit to more of the numbers he had toward the end of San Antonio, he had a great year in um in Toronto you know, someone who 3 and D, even though the 3 ball hasn't really been there, he's still shooting, you know, 35-ish percent from 3. I think between 33 and 35-ish percent from 3 and playing good defense, and that's all we can ask for. Like, it's definitely an overpay, and I can definitely see him move next year if an opportunity arose for that to happen. But for what he's been given in terms of who we needed at that spot, I'm glad we have him. And he is a guy who, even though he's not making his shots and when he's missing shots like he has that are wide open, it can really slow down our half-court offense to a complete crawl. He's someone who's played serviceable defense and has been on the guys like Damian Lillard, Jamal Murray, um, guys like Jimmy Butler throughout the playoffs and really made things difficult. James Harden and other guys. So is he being paid more than he's worth? Yes, but he's been a very solid player. Um, KCP might be more valuable than him right now, but I am happy that we've had Danny Green throughout the year.
0: Yeah, and he's a champion. He's a two-time champion, about to be a three-time champion. So that type of experience—that's—that's that's some that that comes into play, and and you need those guys on the team, like they have, that have been there, and they know what what it takes to win. And yeah, as you said, like we like to clown the Lakers. We're giving Danny Green fifteen million dollars mm-hmm. a year, but it. What else would they should they have done? Kawhi, Kawhi, screwed them over. He made he yeah. made them wait and wait and wait, and then they pulled off the Paul George trade, and then he signed with the Clippers, and I think the Lakers were left to scramble a bit because they they didn't offer the the the, the target J J Redick got off the market. I think they they he really would have benefited them. Although his defense is really bad, but his shooting with the half, the half court offense would have been. Would have been much better. Their half guard offense this season has been a little bit inconsistent. You guys have been operating at an elite level on mm-hmm. in transition, but the half court can be hot and cold sometimes. Yeah, but and lightly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I think Danny Green is a. It has won championships, so I think we'll leave it at that. And it's only a two. I think it was a two year deal, so. By 2021, you'll be you'll be off the books. So, you guys, at least
2: that wasn't that bad. Could have been worse. Yep, it's gonna be interesting to see how that happens. I mean, it's true that it could have been a lot worse than it was. So I'm not exactly mad about it, but yeah, you're putting it lightly in terms of a half court offense being uh, less than stellar.
0: <laughs> so let's move on to our final topic of the of the day. If LeBron wins on Friday night and he manages to win another one with a LA, late either next season or any other season. How do you see the GOAT debate playing out?
2: I mean, I still think LeBron is solid number two. A 6-0 record, six MVPs, you, you just can't I, – I, you can't overlook that. He's going to be number one. But for LeBron have played as well as he has, as late as he has, three different teams leading to the championship in three different you know time periods and three different um, iterations of that said roster – You know, he's a a ready-made championship contender as a player, and I think that has to be spoken to, and he's proven that by his moving to Miami, back to Cleveland, to L.A. He has proven, you know, Michael Jordan was pretty much the same player, but we never knew that. By the time he got to Washington, I mean, we never knew that. We never saw that in action with him trying it for, say, you know, the Trailblazers, or let's say the Hawks. You know, he stayed in Chicago, and it's something to be said for that. By the time he went to Washington, he was already kind of too old and broken down, you know, and the Wizards were nowhere near a championship contending team, but with LeBron and yes, he's had moves made for him, you know, playing with um uh Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch in Miami, playing with Kyrie and Kevin Love in Cleveland, playing with Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis in LA. He's at star talent around him. But at the end of the day, you look back and LeBron is playing as efficiently and as well as he has for so long, leading all these teams to the to the championship, three different franchises that, you know, hadn't won in a long time or before. In 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 the case of Miami or Cleveland. I, I think this only strengthens the argument of LeBron versus Jordan, even though I still say Jordan is number one, it only strengthens that argument, and I think it ekes uh, LeBron up another step closer. I don't think he's going to overtake uh, Michael Jordan, to be frank. I just don't think there's enough years left for him to do that at a high level at 35 right now. I, if he won, like, two more championships and, at 38, then he's, like, non-stop. my number one, even with, like, a 6-6 a six and six record, whatever the case may be. But as it is right now, 4-6. and six, is it four? Yeah, four and six. For a, three, uh, it, I mean, if he wins this one, it'll be four and six, right? Yeah, it'll be yeah. four and six. It'll be four and six, three different franchises, playing as well as he has for so long, um, and taking on a line share of minutes. I would have to give uh, more respect to him in that second round. Uh,
0: I I, th- I think I I will agree with what you said at the latter half of your statement. I, I, th- I see a path where he can become the GOAT. But it's going to be really hard. I think he has to win at least one more MVP to equal Jordan's five. Mm-hmm. Kareem won six. Jordan has five. He has to win at least two championships and two Finals MVPs. He's gonna break every statistic. Uh, he's gonna have, he's gonna beat Jordan every stat. That's I think he if he he has already, but when he went well I'm saying when but if mm-hmm. he manages to become the. The highest score, the the two match manage, he manages to have the most career points of all time, manages to get into at least the top five in assists, which I think he can. And he wins two more championships and one more MVP. Manages to break the All Star appearances record. I think I'll, I'll give it to him.
2: You what You know what? I mean, hey, it's possible. It's unlikely, but the blueprint is there. So I'm with you on that for sure. Yeah. Corbin, where can yeah. we find you? Uh, at CorbinNBA on Twitter. I would appreciate that. Uh, love having basketball conversations. So if anyone wants to pipe up there and do that with me, I'm, I'm not as active as I should have been on there. You know what? I'm also going to plug uh, my Facebook. Why not? Because I have an NBA Facebook just for that. Um, NBA Barbarian. Check it out. It looks actually has my face there now. It's actually a picture. Um, I think you'll appreciate this, JJ. It's a picture for me um, at SBC. So I'm there as well. Oh. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun on that, too. But aside from that, y'all, uh, that's really it. I should also do one more thing. I uh, co-host a podcast with uh, my friend Garrett Bougea, a former SBC alum from a couple years back, called Duncan Dynasty. We did a, a really deep breakdown on um, the NBA Finals matchup that was immediately rendered moot with the injuries to Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo, but it's still a good deep dive, and we do a lot of that in general. So, I would um I would follow me there, and uh, aside from that, yeah, that's that's what I got going on right now.
0: Yeah, and by the way, this man right here, he, he, he there wasn't any award for that, but I think he should have won the best dressed award. He our our Orlando Magic person team presentation, he was 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 excellently dressed, and he gave he was great presenting our 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 plan. Which, by the way, hey, hire us if you if you if you uh-huh. any NBA team is looking for any guys that want to create a agency plan
2: we'll be great general managers yes and y'all did you man you and Aaron did a great that (laughs) was such a good squad like I had a lot of fun with that for sure that was that was honestly just a lot of fun absolutely Corbin thanks for
0: coming on thank you for listening to the listening to the 305 culture podcast subscribe and follow us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at 305 culture pod wear your mask keep your distance and watch the NBA playoffs see you next week.
1: to get started.
0: Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.